Hi, I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is triple amputee Linda Olson. She's going to talk about her book, Gone, a memoir of love, body, and taking back my life. It's perfect for those looking for inspiring, uplifting stories about the power of positive thinking. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is a privilege. You know, when I heard about your book, Linda, I thought, it would be a privilege for me to have you on my show because what a journey you have been through. You know, it started out very abruptly. Obviously we were hit by a train and within minutes, it was clear what was gonna happen. I was lucky to be in a very um, modern part of the world. I was in Germany when the accident happened and taken across the border to Salzburg, Austria, where I was taken to a trauma hospital and they saved my life. So wow. the first part of the story was the first day and it went uphill from there. So nothing wrong with that. I want to back up a second. So a train hit your car and were you vac vac vacationing in Germany? Yes. My husband and I had gone to Germany to visit his parents who his dad was stationed in Germany in the Navy. And it was the first day of our vacation with his brother and wife and his mom and dad and Dave and I. So there were six of us traveling in a BW van. We'd had a wonderful day. And late in the afternoon, we came to heading up into Bereshitzgarten, actually up to where Hitler's uh, eagle nest was and our car stopped on the tracks. And the three men were in the front seat they were able to get out quickly. The three women were in the middle of the van and I could not get the door open. So I the front seat thinking, I'll just get out that open front door. And when I did, I stumbled and I fell. And Dave, my husband saw me, he turned, he just turned his head quickly enough to see me fall and he ran up, totally assuming that we were gonna die and grabbed me. <gasps> I mean, the train was just yards down the road, the track when this happened. Right. And he got me in his arms. And just as he got me in his arms, the train hit the van and it threw us apart. So he was thrown back along the track and knocked out and he broke his ankle. And I got pinned underneath the van and kind of just rode the tracks down until the train came to a stop. And when the train came to oh, a stop. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was interesting because they backed the train up. And I can tell you this because I was awake. I never lost consciousness. So I remember this story vividly. Um, they backed the train up. The passengers all got off. And they lifted the van up off of me. So they got me out from underneath the van and you know could see that I had had train track amputations. If you're lying on a train track, and you get run over by a train, you have very characteristic amputations as you can imagine. Sure. So that's what happened. Wait, wait, wait a sec. You were not, were you in a state of shock? You know, not really. Um, I had glasses on my face and it's interesting. They never came off. I could see people, I could hear them talking. Um, the big problem was they were speaking German. So at first I was, uh, needless to say, quite confused because I don't understand German. But uh, it became clear quickly that I was alive and um, I was actually not sure how long I would stay alive because I could see them pick up my foot 
and put it on the gurney part oh. of my leg and my arm didn't work very well because it was inside the sleeve and had been amputated so so my perception was quick mm-hmm. I knew what had happened and um, I think in the long run it made my recovery from my perspective um, much easier to deal with because I never struggled with what happened or not I mean it was clear mm-hmm. and I was able to move on from there, but that's my perception anyway. Did you always have this mindset of, of calm? I mean, you, you, you sounded like you were pretty coherent in all this. Yes. Um, that's probably one of my biggest attributes in life. I have a very um, outgoing, happy-go-lucky, optimistic view of life and Basically, what happened the next day after, you know, I was taken into surgery that night and they completed the amputations. And the next day I realized as our family started coming in that they were just devastated and there was nothing we could do to make my legs and arm grow back. Right. For me to look at them and smile and say, we're going to do this. But yeah, so I think that was basically the way I've always been. Um, and everybody that knows me would tell you that. So it seems like you would probably be saying, Hey, I'm still here. I'm, I'm missing limbs, but I'm still here. Well, there's, there's a couple of parts to the story here. Um, when my husband came in the first time the next morning into the ICU to see me, I had been awake much of the morning and I had thought a lot about it because I was 29. Um, we had been married for not quite two years and it was really hard for me to understand why he would want to stick around he would have a wife that was you know very disabled not the as i've said in the book not the cute attractive doctor (laughs) married um so that when he walked in i just looked at him and the first thing i said was i've been thinking and i'll understand if you don't want to stick around wow he just looked at me And without thinking, he said, I didn't marry your arms and your legs. If you can do it, I can do it. And he Uh, held my hand and I just thought, you know, this. Wow. And I knew him well enough to know what a strong, committed man he was. Stubborn, Mm -hmm. hard to live with sometimes. (laughs) But I thought, you know, I think that between the two of us, we've got the willpower to make this work. Sure. story I mean that to me that is the entire story now there's 40 years after that but um where there was a lot of fun but that was where the commitment was made and that's where he said he wouldn't leave me so so that gave me the impetus to if he we both kind of said you know if you can do it I can do it and I felt like his job was going to be physical and mine was going to be the the mental part uh of Mm -hmm. pulling people along with us and letting them know that we'd be fine and People started, you know, back then, this was 1979, so we didn't have cell phones. Um, when the first right. calls came from across the Atlantic, from the United States, um, they would have to take me, put me in a wheelchair and take me out to the nurse's station. And I remember one of the first callers, who was a dear friend, said, God, you sound just like yourself. And I said, well, I am myself. I'm just a lot smaller. Right. So, kind of the way things were. I mean, that was what you hear now was the way I sounded then and um first of all your husband showed total unconditional love yes and 
still, it sounds like. And then also your sense of humor. You always had that growing up. You think that was part of the equation of you staying resilient through this? Oh, yes. I, uh, I'm one of these giggly, outgoing type people. To me, the world is pretty much fun. Um, I've often told people in the years since the accident that someday they're going to be able to draw my blood and find the happy gene. And I say that facetiously and I say that seriously because I think some of us have a predisposition to see the world more positively than others. And then you take what you're given there and you build on it, which is what we did. Mm -hmm. uh, I will admit there were times that it was rough, but they didn't last very long uh, because I don't like feeling sad. So when I would get down and morose and cry, I would let it out. And then I would say, my favorite phrase to myself was, I can do this. And I would say it out loud. And it's interesting. You should try it sometime. You have a bad day or you don't feel well. And if you just say out loud, I can do this. There's something about that. It may only last for five minutes or maybe, mm -hmm. but it makes you physiologically, I think, be boosted a little bit. Yeah. Empowered. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've come to the right show because this show is Get the Funk Out. Oh, I like that. <laughs> And we all go through things on various levels, personal and professional. I'm always fascinated by what people do to take care of themselves. So if, if, you, if somebody's listening right now and they feel down for various reasons, what, especially right now during COVID, what advice would you give them? My first suggestion would be to open the door and go outside. And that was one of the things that I was able to do in the hospital in Austria on day three or four. We, they put me in a wheelchair and they pushed me out into the garden where I could look up on the hill and see the fortress above Salzburg. And it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, if today, if you just walk outside and you feel a breeze, and there is, I think, uh, a body of evidence to tell, to, uh, to, you know, to prove this, yes. it makes you feel better. It doesn't make your problem go away, but at least makes you feel like you can start to deal with it. And I'm starting to learn a little bit about breathing and meditation. I don't meditate, but I'm starting to learn that taking in deep breaths and counting and things like that are actually also very helpful, but I would get out and go. And that's my message. If you get on my webpage, my message is get out and go. So it's a little bit like yours with your funk. Right. I want to mention for those uh, just tuning in, I'm speaking with Linda K. Olson. Uh, you actually have, you're a doctor as well. And what yes. is an FACR? Uh, that's a fellow of the American College of Radiology, which is an honor that um, you have to be nominated for by your colleagues in the radiology field. So congratulations. Thank you. It's, a, it's an honor. Yes. Uh, you're an author and motivational speaker with a get out and go message a professor emeritus of radiology, University of California, San Diego, and committed to empowering Parkinson's patients and families to live life as fully as possible in spite of their disabilities. You have been a triple amputee since 1979, was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2015. This is your first book, uh, and people can find out more about you at lindakolson.com, but I'm not letting you go just so quickly. <laughs> I want to know more about your book. Was it hard to write? 
Uh, yes, it was hard to write because I'm not a born author. As a radiologist, I spent 30 years teaching residents at the University of California, San Diego to make very concise, terse reports. You know, so the, an example would be, and I, I tell people this and they laugh at me, PA and lateral views of the chest are compared to the study of October 20, 1999, there is no change, impression, normal chest x-ray. There's no frill, there's no flowers, there's no la-di-da-di-da. Mm -hmm. When you write a book, you've got to put descriptions in, you've got to put feelings in. And I started just writing stories. I did not really start out to write a book. I just thought I'll write about, you know, the day in the hospital or when I learned to walk. So episodes, and that's the way the book came about. So it's not a biography. It's not a big sequential. It's kind of 13 chapters of learning to drive, building a house, having children. Um, and our first uh, experiences of getting back out in the wilderness and camping. And I think that's probably what eventually drove me to turn it into a book was I wanted people, well, I thought we had the proof. It was 40, you know, 35 years after the accident and we'd mm -hmm. raised a family, we'd had careers and we could look back and show people that even if you don't have your arms and your legs, you can go backpacking, you can go canoeing and kayaking for 10 days at a time. Sure. You can raise children. So I think it, it was clear that finally that we really did have a message and my message again was to get out and go it doesn't matter how funny you look or whether you do things like everybody else you can still do it so yeah do you feel like a lot of people's reaction they well I'm sure it was it they felt so sorry was was that did that give you a feeling some days of feeling bad for yourself uh no good I usually felt like I didn't have anything to feel sorry about. Good. Wow. Yeah, I had a job. I went back to work. Oh, that was another part of my story. Early on, my big desire, overwhelming desire, was to become independent again. And I had been doing my radiology residency in Los Angeles, and my husband was doing his radiation oncology residency in San Diego. So we lived apart. So I had nine months left until I finished my residency, and I was just... Ad, absolutely adamant that I needed to go back and finish, which I did. I lived in an apartment by myself, um, happened by accident to get pregnant that year. So I went back. And, wow. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> it was a lot, but you know, it, it, it gave me the knowledge that I could do anything again and I need help. I mean, there are times when I have to ask people for help, but I was able to go back and live my life the way I had planned it, which was what made me happy. So, yeah. Plus living alone just was probably really good for you in some way. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. I, in fact, you know, in the last 40 years now, over 40 years, it's allowed us to, you know, build a home where I can be on my own. My husband, we like to be apart. He just came back from a hunting trip in Oregon. Mm -hmm. and we've got things set up so I can take care of myself. I can drive. I can have my friends over. So, it gave us that independence, which for our marriage was really huge because we have a fierce love of independence and we have a fierce love of each other. So that's great. 
nice to have the yin and the yang there. So. Well, it's good you both are able to articulate what your needs are because, I mean, I think having time apart is really important. Very. Uh, I think it's what made us stay married <laughs> or allowed us to stay married because we were not easy people to get along with. I think one of the strengths of our marriage as we look back on it was our stubbornness and our independence and sometimes I would tell you that that was probably the harder thing for us to learn to get to, to get along and to respect well not respect but to um, to let each other be their own person yes um, almost as much as it was to learn how to walk and things like that so yeah. you know he does things like when we hike he goes hiking and he carries me on his back I mean we backpack that he can without my legs on carry me five miles up into a campground and let me sit there for a few hours go back down to the car pick up a loaded backpack walk back up there again so we can spend a couple nights camping so we just we've made our life um be more wonderful than most people I think so I don't have any there's nothing I can look back at and say was bad incredible yeah we're lucky you're, you're really, really lucky. You are. Anything else you'd like people to know about the book? Um, I just think that I would like people to look at it, that they can take it as a affirmation that no matter what happens to you, it's going to happen to all of us, whether it's a mental or physical uh, disruption in your life. You learn to accept what's happened to yourself. You learn how to adapt to the changes and then you learn how to innovate so that you make the changes in your life that are necessary to keep going. And I think you make, basically you have to decide whether you wanna be happy or not. It takes a lot of energy to be angry. It's much easier in my book to take that energy and work hard, as hard as you need to sweat, I don't care what it is, to make yourself happy. So that's the first choice, decide whether you wanna be happy or not. And then, get the team around you, find the tools that you need to make the changes and move on, which is what I've, my other connection is with the Parkinson's community. Um, because as you said, I was diagnosed about five years ago with that. And yes, my connection to them has been profound because I can get up in front of large audiences and show them pictures of me butt walking around without my legs on and being carried or pushed in wheelbarrows. And they come away from it thinking, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's my other message. Incredible. Is, I can do all these things. Then even if you look funny or can't do them like everybody else, you can still get out and do them. You bet. Those are my messages. Unbelievable. So can you give your website one more time? Yes. It's www.lindakolson, no spaces, no capital letters, L-I-N-D-A-K-O-L-S-O-N. That makes me Swedish, I think. Dot com. Perfect. Linda, I have loved every minute of this. Thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you. It was a privilege.